I found something in the latest Vedanta Kesari, uh, which is interesting. It shows what is the attitude towards spiritual life in our order, in the Ramakrishna Vivekananda movement. What was Sri Ramakrishna's or Swami Vivekananda's uh, attitude towards these philosophies? So the synthetic approach, the harmonious approach. Um, this is something from Swami Premeshanandaji. I just read it this morning. I'll read it out at the end after today's class. So let's start with the Shanti Mantra. Om Bhadram Karne Bhishrinuyama Deva Bhadram Pashe Maksha Bhirya Jatra Sthirai Rangai Tushtuvagum Sastanubhi Vyashema Deva Hitayadayuhu Swastina Indro Vridhashravaha Swastina Pusha Vishwaveda Swastina Starksho Arishtanemihi Swastino Brihaspatir Dadhatu Om Shanti 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 So we are at the very last verse of the third chapter, the Advaita Prakaranam. The very last verse, let's do that. After speaking about Vedantic meditation, now Gaurapada in the, this is the 48th verse. In the 48th verse, Gaurapada sums up the teaching, coming back to the, the basic point. Um, what, what is the central teaching? So, uh, verse number 48, please repeat after me. Nakashchid jayate jiva, Nakashchid jayate jiva, Sambhavo asya na vidyate, Sambhavo asya na vidyate, Etat taduttamam satyam, Etat taduttamam satyam, Yatra kinchinna jayate, Yatra kinchinna jayate. A very lofty verse which says, so, so here we are where jiva, sentient being, nakashchi jayate, there is no jiva whatsoever which is born or created. Because sambhavo asyana vidyate, there is no possibility of its creation because sambhava means production from a cause. There is no cause for the creation of the jiva because Brahman alone exists. You are existence, consciousness, bliss, the turiya, the fourth. That's what we actually are, though it appears that um, a sentient being exists. We are separate beings. It seems that we are born with the birth of the body. We age and die with the death of the body. No, that is the body. But it seems that we, there's a sentient being which is born and reborn, goes through the cycle of life and death, uh, birth and death and is seeking liberation, that's at least what Hinduism tells us, that's what uh, Buddhism or Jainism, the Indian religions, they tell us that. No, not even that. Brahman alone exists. No separate jiva is ever truly, 
from the um, ultimate perspective is ever created and you are that Brahman. Etat tad uttamam satyam. This is the highest truth. Uttamam, highest. So are there other kinds of truths apart from the highest? Yes. We have uh, read in Advaita Vedanta, they speak about different levels of truth. Paramarthika Satyam, the absolute truth. What is the absolute truth? Brahma Satyam, Jagat Mithya, Jiva Brahmevanapara. Brahman alone is the reality. Existence, consciousness, bliss. Then uh, what about this world? It's an appearance. In Brahman, Brahman alone appears as this world. And then what about Jiva? What about us? We are none other than that Brahman. You are that Brahman. This is Paramarthika Satyam, the absolute truth. Then, is there any other kind of truth? This is the truth which he is talking about. Etaduttamam Satyam. But then there is Vyavaharika Satyam. The transactional level, the relative level. What is the relative level? Here we are. We are in this body. We are different from each other. We have our individual personal stories. Here we are gathered together listening to this amazing claim about ourselves. But all of this is going on at what level? Certainly not at the level of the Absolute. Uh, this is a transactional level, relative level. This is an appearance. It's not the truth. If it's not the truth, then why are we call it, calling it a level of truth? Because you cannot deny it. We are experiencing it. And all our efforts at spiritual realization, uh, our spiritual seeking are only at this level only. So we begin here. And therefore, you must give it some kind of provisional reality that is called transactional reality or uh, Vyavaharika Satyam. And there is an even lower level, gra lower grade of reality, uh, which we call error, dream, illusion. Even in this transactional realm, we recognize that we do see things which are not real, like a magic show, like a film, like a mirage, uh, like water in the mirage, and uh, so on. So, three levels of truth. Uh, the level of errors and dream and illusion, higher than that, more real than that, this one. Yeah. After all, when you snap out of a dream, what do you say? Oh, it was a dream, this is real. So that dream is a lower grade of reality. This is the transactional or Vyavaharika Satyam. And what Vedanta says is, we are pointing toward even higher grade of reality, the, the absolute truth, which is Paramarthika Paramartika Satyam, Brahman. That absolute truth is what is referred to here as etad uttamam satyam. This is the highest truth. Yatra kinchit na jayate. Where there is no cause and effect. Nothing, literally means where nothing is born. Nothing is born means there is no cause and effect. Ultimately, Brahman alone exists. Non-duality beyond causality. That alone exists. In which, however, all this is taking place. It's not that there are three different places, one lowest grade of reality and one this one, and there's another place called heaven where there's an absolute reality. No, it's all right here. For example, when we experience an error, an illusion, like a snake appearing in a rope, so the snake is regarded as the lowest grade of reality, once you realize that it's just, it's an error. Where is the rope? When you're looking at the snake, where is the rope? Right there. It's not elsewhere. Similarly, where is this absolute reality, Brahman, Turiya, pure consciousness? Right here, what we are experiencing right now. <coughs> so this was the teaching. In fact, we got this teaching for the first time, most powerfully, in the first chapter, Agama Prakaranam. Do you remember the seventh mantra? Yeah. Yeah. 
एकात्म प्रत्ययसारम प्रपंचोपशमम शांतम शिवम अद्वैतम चतुर्थम मन्यन्ते स आत्मा सविज्ञेय दैट वन दैट विच इज अंडरस्टूड एज द रियल आय एक आत्मप्रत्यय आत्मप्रत्यय मीन्स दि काग्निशन ऑफ आय 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 दिस द प्योर सब्जेक्ट वेर वेरी ब्यूटिफुल वर्ड प्रपंचोपशमम वेर दि यूनिवर्स फॉल्स साइलेंट In the absolute, there is no universe. Gaudapada, what his amazing claim is, right here there is no universe. Prapancho pashamam, very beautiful. Cessation of the universe, quiescence of the universe. Upashama is also used for curing disease. Rogo upashama. Upashama means where it uh, the uh, the pacifying, where the 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 uh, suffering is pacified from a disease. so that really applies to spiritual life the disease of samsara is pacified there or as gaudapada would put it the disease of duality is pacified in non duality um prapanchopashamam shantam beyond suffering shivam which is auspicious or joyous uh, which is which is ananda itself advaitam non dual now these two words in that seventh mantra prapanchopashamam the quiescence or the the silence of the universe the pacification of the of samsara that word and the word non dual advaitam gaudapada takes these two words and writes entire chapters on them um the first one prapanchopashamam is chapter number 2 which we have done already uh, there there gaudapada introduces a new term which means the same thing same thing as prapanchopashamam the new term is vaitathya vaitathya what is the actual meaning of prapanchopashama the falsity of the word the wor- the world is an appearance prapanchopashama this is chapter 3 which we have already done what was done in chapter 3 that o- that original word prapanchopashama prapanchopashama that is equal to vaitathyam if you remember this was the name of the chapter uh, chapter this was name of chapter 2 not chapter 3 chapter 2 was called vaitathya prakarana do you remember don't look so puzzled vaitathya prakarana no it could look blank look could mean two things one is yeah we know get on with it <laughs> or it could mean what are you talking about vaitathyam <laughs> the sanskrit word which is the title of this second chapter it it means vitathasya bhava which means not such not not thus what is this word we say this it this is it this is real and the word vaitathyam means not thus this is not reality it is an appearance and what gaudapada tried to do in chapter 2 was to establish vaitathyam another meaning is mithyatvam falsity falsity when you say brahma satyam brahman is real jagat mithya the universe is an appearance or false that mithyatvam is equal to vaitathyam is equal to prapanchopashama what did gaudapada do in the second chapter he tried to establish this claim that the world is an appearance with the help of um reasoning and experience 
what does it mean prapancha what what exactly does gaudapada mean by prapancha universe in the language of mandukya karika in the language of gaudapada what is the universe in four ways it can be expressed this prapancha in four ways in language of mandukya in our language yes this is the universe but mandukya makes it goes a little deeper and she says what is the universe one way is uh one way is waker dreamer deep sleeper so waker you remember we have two levels of the waker one is the individual us and the cosmic waker virat so do you remember the original sanskrit terms vishwa virat vishwa and virat so what is uh, vishwa you your name is vishwa my name is vishwa right now when we are awake awake means with our minds functioning in contact with our sensory system using a physical body to experience a physical universe this is called waking state remember he is not generating anything new he is not um, speculating what he is doing is trying to describe the best philosophy is the description of what we are experiencing is a is a accurate and useful description of what we are experiencing so waking state is here you are you the conscious sentient being with your mind functioning mind means mind intellect memory personality with the physical body and the sensory system experiencing an external world seems to be an external world this is the waking state you are called vishwa that's a generic name for waker the one the waking being and uh, the upanishad speaks of a cosmic waker that means consciousness associated with all beings experiencing this physical entire physical universe so a consciousness associated with this entire physical universe that is called virat the vast and then there is the dreamer and the uh, and the cosmic dreamer do you remember the names taijasa good hiranyagarbha all right some remember hiranyagarbha not important but just um, to keep in mind and the last one is pragya the deep sleeper pragya and ishwara ishwara correct pragya and ishwara and this whole experience is what is called samsara or prapancha this is the universe this is one way of looking at the universe in the language of mandukya should not be surprising and should not be what are all these weird terms no we have been doing it <laughs> at least the first chapter we came across these terms this is one way of looking at the uh in fact this is actually the way you look at your uh, your life think about your life your life is basically waking dreaming and deep sleep this is what they just reporting that this is your samsara your life prapancha this is your universe another way of looking at the same thing a second way is gross subtle and causal in sanskrit sthula sukshma karana prapancha the gross universe the gross universe not in the sense of an awful messy though it can be gross in the sense of physical here it is this universe which we are experiencing this is the gross universe it corresponds to the waker and then the subtle universe what is the subtle universe the mind, 
mind, thoughts, feelings, emotions, the internal world, not the brain. The brain is part of the gross universe. But what you or I and all of us, we are experiencing internally a private world, thoughts, feelings, emotions, our own personality. That is the subtle universe. Put it all together, it becomes one subtle universe. So that is the subtle level of the universe. And the causal, beyond the subtle, corresponding to our deep sleep experience, Ajnana or Maya Shakti, that is called the causal universe, Karana. From that, like, like from, from a seed, all this is coming out. So this is like a seed state from which sprouts the subtle universe, from which again it ma manifests as a physical gross universe. But put it all together, this is Prapancha, the universe. You see, this is a more comprehensive view. Our usual view of the universe is a physical universe. That's it. But um, what about the inner universe each one of us carries around, like an inner environment? Thoughts, feelings, emotions, ideas, the mind. That also is, Manduke is very comprehensive. It includes that. And what about the potential form when everything is shut down? That's also a kind of experience. Our deep sleep in, in Samadhi, Sushupti, or when the cosmic the universe is dissolved and destroyed completely, nothing exists physically. So that seed state, potential state, that is also included by Mandukya. And altogether it is called Prapancha. Third one. Do you remember uh, the beginning of the Mandukya Upanishad? Soyam Atma Chatushpat. This very self has four aspects, four padas or four aspects. What are the four aspects? Waking, dreaming, deep sleep. First aspect, second aspect, third aspect and the fourth. Fourth which we call the Turiya. So if you look at the aspects, then the first, second and third are the universe. First pada. Second pada. And third pada. This is this is exactly the language used in the Mandukya Upanishad. Prathama Pada, Dvitiya Pada, Tritiya Pada, come and settle down. So, the Prathama Pada, Dvitiya Pada and Tritiya Pada, they are the universe. The first, you can see how it, beautifully it corresponds. The first Pada is the gross universe, is the waker's universe. Second Pada is the subtle universe, Sukshma, and which is the, our dream state. The third Pada is the deep sleep universe, uh, the causal universe. Altogether is the universe, Prapancha. And there's one more way of looking at it, which is important for us, where the, the same universe can be looked at as cause and effect. Cause and effect. The cause and the product. The first and second father together are called Karyam. Karya Prapancha. Karya means product or effect. And the causal part, the third one, what is it called? Karanam, the causal. Karanam literally means causal. So the universe can be looked at as cause and effect. The causal state, which is Maya Shakti, and the effect state, which is uh, our entire inner universe plus the external universe. Now all of these are just different ways of looking at Prapancha. And the word Upashama means falsity. All you have to know is what Gaudapada did in the second, second chapter was, whichever way you put it, the point is, it's false, mithya. False in the sense, it's an appearance. 
appearance of what appearance of what what is appearing in these these ways what is appearing as waker dreamer deep sleeper brahmanaturiya the, the the fourth what is appearing as the first three padas prathama pada ditya pada tritya pada chatuttha pada the fourth one what is appearing as the gross and the subtle and the causal what's appearing what happened oh oh pen uh, what is happening as the as the four uh, uh, as the first pada second pada and third pada the fourth fourth pada so that one what uh, what you have to take about that one is that one that fourth one the turiya is neither karya nor karadam is neither an effect nor the cause is beyond cause and effect in sanskrit karya karana vilakshana atma i cannot stress this enough because in the f- next chapter the one which we did till now the third chapter turiya is expressed as being beyond causality beyond cause and effect so cause means the third pada karanam effect means the first two the gross and the subtle and turiya is beyond these two so if it it is beyond cause and effect it is a non causal beyond cause and effect that is the turiya that we will see in the third uh, third chapter so this was the background the second chapter now the third chapter is called the chapter on non duality what was this chapter called chapter vaitatya prakaranam literally chapter on falsity not a false chapter the chapter on falsity <laughs> chapter 3 advaita prakaranam prakaranam chapter so now i will what i'll do in this class is today i'll sum up what we studied in the last few months in chapter 3 advaita prakaranam so the important today's class is important we'll take a birds eye view of what we did in the last few months what does um, Gorapada aim to do in this third chapter those two words prapanchopashama and advaitam second chapter was entirely about prapanchopashama third chapter is about non duality advaita and he wants to establish non duality through reason and reason based on experience logic and experience um so the way he wants to put it is non duality means non causality it's only in causality that duality comes and cause produces an effect and then there are two but brahman does not produce any effect that's the whole point of um, godapada's teaching so in this chapter third chapter there are four great grand themes which i shall speak about which has which have been talked about the four grand themes uh, in chapter 3 what are the four grand themes one is advaitavada in english non duality second ajatavada advaitavada of course is common to all of it this is advaita philosophy but ajatavada is a term which is peculiarly attached to gaudapada 
to the mandukya jatavada what does it mean non origination not born or non origination non origination the teaching that no effect no universe no sentient being is ever born or created out of the absolute the absolute alone exists ajatavada third one is amani bhava no mind no mind and the last one is asparsha yoga non contact or non relational or literally no touch the yoga of non contact and or non relational yoga so these are the four great themes of chapter 3 we shall uh, cruise through them take a bird's eye view we have done all this but it's good to take a look back first is he introduces the grand theme of advaita vedanta uh, of advaitavada non duality the very first verse when we started first verse number 1 of uh, chapter 3 is a shocker where he says all those who practice any kind of karma or upasana any kind of activity action or even religious rites rituals or even meditation they are all trapped in samsara in duality because because all these activities are based on duality on dualism upasana shrito jivo jate brahmani vartate pragutpatte rajam sarvam उपासनाश्रितोधर्मिटेशन Uh, they are he says jate brahmani vartate they remain in this level of dualistic universe where the universe where brahman is has produced a universe cause and effect they remain in waking dreaming deep sleep the gross subtle or causal universe they remain in this cycle they consider that before the creation of the universe everything was non dual pragutpatte rajam sarvam now it is dualistic why do they consider it like this because that's where the way it looks like it looks it's very clearly it seems to be a dualistic universe dualistic means separation bheda plurality difference clearly there's difference what advaita this is the subtle thing to understand what advaita says is you cannot deny the appearance of of difference clearly difference is appearing but what you can do is question the reality of difference is it really different when you see 10000 waves in the sea from the point of view of waves 10000 from the point of view of water one one even when you are seeing 10000 when you see a dream in your dream so many people so many events time is there space is there things are happening people are there good and bad all sorts of things are going on there multiplicity duality but actually one mind is dreaming all of that true or not yes. when you see a movie on a screen 
so many characters, so many activities, so many stories, so, so, so many things are happening. The truth is one screen only. In one screen only all of this is happening. There are no characters, no stories, no events, nothing. No time or space also in the movie. That is appearing on the screen only. So it is possible, it is possible to see the movie and appreciate the plurality and duality but know that it is one screen only. And to experience the 10,000 waves at the same time know it is one mass of water only. To experience a dream and know it is one mind only. So, the experience of duality is not denied. It would be crazy to deny it because we are experiencing it anyway. How can you deny that we are experiencing? But what Advaita does is drives a subtle wedge between appearance and reality. A thing can appear without being real. In fact, the English word appearance means it is not real. Hmm? Think about it. Appears to be, uh, a, whether appears to be good. Appears means not good. <laughs> the economy appears to be doing well. It appears to be doing well, not doing well. Appears to be healthy. Appears to be healthy means actually may not be healthy. So, uh, appears, the word appears itself carries, you, are, you, can, you can experience something without it being real. Advaita Vedanta says, plurality is experienced, no doubt about it, but it's not real. Because there is an underlying oneness. Um, and he says, Tena so kripana smitaha. What is the problem then? The problem is this duality. If you take it to be real, it generates samsara for you. Difference generates samsara. Upanishad says, Dvitiyadvai bhayam bhavati. When there is an existence of a second thing and other, anxiety and fear arise. So, um, then what should we do? The second verse. Gaurapada says, Atho vakshamyakarpanyam ajatim samatam gatam yathana jayate jayamanam samantataha. Second verse. He says, Hence we shall teach akarpanyam. Karpanyam, the word earlier, kripana means the mean, the small, the petty. Akarpanyam means the vast. We shall teach the noble, the vast. The non-dual. Ajatim, the non-origination. Brahman alone exists and nothing second appeared from it. The screen alone exists. No second character was ever born from the screen. Though you watched a hundred movies. Though movie after movie is being put on the screen every day on, in the cinema hall. Yet not a second, not one thing extra has been born there. Just the screen. We dream so many dreams in our lifetime. Not one thing other than our mind exists in those dreams. Yathana jayate kinchit. How we shall show. Jayamanam samantata. Though everything seems to be born. The universe is created. Big bang and people are coming and life evolves. Samsara happens. All of this seems to go on. Nakinchit jayate. Yet nothing whatsoever has changed. Brahman alone exists here. We shall show how. How? Ajatim samatam gatam. The unborn absolute alone exists. Unchanged. Samatam. Gatam everywhere. Pervading everything that you experience. There is only one unchanged reality. That which we will teach. So that is Advaita Vada. This is the grand theme. What is that reality? It is called Turiya. Pure consciousness. Pure being. Pure bliss. Another name is Brahman. 
All right, Brahmadurya sounds wonderful, grand philosophy. It is you, Tattvamasi. We are talking about you. We are directly talking about the closest truth to you. Closer than the closest is you yourself to yourself. We are talking about that. That is Brahman. That is the Thuriya. That is the absolute in which the entire game of your samsara is being played. So, and that is non-dual. Not a second thing apart from it exists. It's a, it's a tremendous assertion. What it says is, you know, when you say, Tattvamasi, that thou art. It means, that here refers to, to Saguna Brahman, God. Thou refers to the sentient being. How you, the jiva, and how God, the Saguna Brahman, how can they be one? What it means there is, you are Brahman means, then what you took yourself to be. Body, mind, senses, you are not that. If you are Brahman, if you are existence, consciousness, bliss, then you are not a body, then you are not an individual mind, then you are not a, um, a set of senses. You are existence, consciousness, bliss. That's why Shankaracharya, when he says, Chidananda Rupaha Shivoham, Shivoham, I am of the nature of bliss and consciousness, I am Shiva. Chidananda Rupaha Shivoham. Before that, what does he do? Mano buddhyahankara chittaninaham. I am not the mind, not the intellect, not the memory, not the ego. I am not even I. Um, so, you first deny that. When you say, you are Brahman, it means you are not the body, not the mind. And the opposite is even more true, even more dramatic. You are Brahman means you are not the body, not the mind. And the opposite, Brahman is you. What does that mean? One sadhu in Uttarakhand said, Aap se juda na koi Mahesh hai, na Dinesh hai, na Suresh hai. Other than you, there is no Indra, there is no Shiva, there is no Vishnu. You are that which is with Maya Upadhi, called Brahma, Vishnu, Maheshwara, whatever. Put them together. Tattvamasi, that thou art, means that it works both ways. You are Brahman, and thou art that. You are Brahman, therefore you are not body and mind. The opposite also works. Brahman is you. Brahman is you means, other than you, the real you, there is no other Brahman. Apart from the you, the that existence, consciousness, place, there is no Brahma, Vishnu, Maheshwara, Father in heaven, Allah, no. That real you, but not, not this. But remember one thing, the first one has to be done first and then the next one. First, you have to say, Aham Brahmas mean that sense that I am not the body, not the mind, and I am the witness consciousness. From that perspective, if you say, other than that, there is no God. Obviously, other than existence, there cannot, can, can't be anything. If there is anything other than existence, becomes non-existence. Other than is, is not. So, other than you, the isness, there is no God, there is no uh, Allah, Vishnu, Mahesh, for nothing. But first, that one has to be done. If you say, other than me, there is no God, and in my mind, the, uh, me means I, Sarva Priyananda, then that is that, that's, uh, mania, that is megalomania of the worst kind. Not other than me, the body-mind. Of course not. Uh, other, if you look at yourself as body-mind, immediately the world snaps into existence. And the, you are in the first three padas, gross, subtle, causal. Huh? Only in the fourth, only Asturia, 
only beyond cause and effect, you and God are the same reality. If you come back into the level of cause and effect, God is causal and we are at the level of the effect. Okay, so this is Advaita Vada. Now, next uh, point to be talked about is Ajata Vada. How do you go about proving Advaita Vada? The way Gaudapada goes about it is, you see, how do you go about proving that person is not a parent? Show that, that, that the children are false, in the sense that there, is, there are no children. If there are no children, then the person is not a parent. Brahman is not a parent. Brahman is not a key creator of this universe. Then show that what seems to be the creation of Brahman, what seems to be the product, is an appearance, is not real is not a second entity apart from Brahman. Nothing really has emerged from the Absolute. If it does emerge, if there is a creator and a created, then you are back to this world. Then you are back to the level of science or conventional religion, which takes this as real and tries to explain it. Um, but Gaurapada is very radical. He says the Absolute alone exists. The Absolute alone exists. Brahman alone exists. How does he do that? By denying the reality of the product. What is the product? Jiva Jagat. Us and the universe. We are not separate from Brahman and the universe is an appearance. It's nothing more than the old saying, Brahman is real, the world is an appearance and Jiva is nothing apart from Brahman. It's just a deeper way of analyzing this understanding. So what Gaudapada will now try to do is show that no jiva was ever, no sentient being ever arose from Brahman. So does it mean, we, is he trying to say we don't exist? No, he's trying to say just the opposite. You are the only thing that exists. So he will try to show that the jiva, no jiva ever was born from Brahman, one. And then he will try to show this entire universe, the physical universe, is also an appearance. It's not a creation from Brahman. So, Jiva Srishti Nisheda, Jagat Srishti Nisheda. That Jiva was ever produced from Brahman? No. Brahman alone continues to exist. Jagat, the universe, was ever produced from Brahman? No. Brahman alone continues to appear as the universe. And remember, what is the glory of this approach? After, when we get this, will the world and universe and everybody disappear? No. Everything will continue as it is. We actually get a deeper understanding of what's going on here. What's going on here? If you ask Gaudapada, nothing is. <laughs> or Brahman alone is. Um, so, first of all, non-origination of the jiva. Non-origination of the Jiva. And what Gaudapada does here is, he, if you remember, he uses the pot-space analogy. Ghatakasha, pot-space analogy. If you remember, what was the example? When a pot is created, space seems to be divided into Mahakasha, the space outside and the space inside the pot. And as many pots as you create, the potter creates, it seems that so many spaces are there. Right? And it is true that there are many pots. And it is true the pots have different shapes. Some are narrow, some are wide, some are squat, some are uh, elegant and so on. Some are big and small and middling and they are very different from each other. Not only that, it's also true that the contents of the pots are different. 
somewhere there is milk, somewhere there is honey, somewhere there is water, somewhere there is dust or somewhere there is smoke. Uh, and so many things are there in the pot. They are all different from each other. But is the space in the different pots different? No. Is it affected by the contents of the pots? No. Does the space in the pot travel with the pot? Though it seems to. You take the pot here like this. What is the water in the pot? Does it travel with the pot? Yes. yes. Otherwise you will make a mess. You shape the pot and the water will make a big splash there. No. The water, whatever you put in the pot, travels with the pot. But the space in the pot doesn't travel with the pot. Rather, the pot travels through space. Space is exactly as it is. As the earth rotates together, together with the earth, America and New York and Manhattan is also rotating. We are moving through space. So this building is also moving very fast through space. Do you think it's carrying the space along with it? Not really. We are moving through space. Uh -huh. So, so what of it? Apply this to, in, in the place of pot, we have body. We have body. Various kinds of bodies arise. And space is compared to consciousness, awareness. In you, the awareness, a body arises. It appears. And immediately we become identified with it. And we say, I am born or uh, of a baby or child or a teenager or middle-aged old person, man, woman. And all of this is just body. Consciousness is not a baby or a child or an old person. Consciousness is not a man or a woman. Uh, it's the body. Not only that, the contents in the, in the pot. Uh, somewhere there is milk or honey. Oh, I'm such a pure person, such a good person. I'm so talented, so intelligent. Mind. That's the inner instrument, the subtle universe. Identified with that consciousness says, here I am a man and I am intelligent and I have noble qualities or I am miserable. I have, I have done many bad things. I have got such bad thoughts. All of those are contents of the mind. They are there in the mind. They are not in you. This is something to understand. Yesterday when we mentioned that... Uh, uh, the Atman is perfect. The faults, the problems, they are in the mind. You pointed out that if you say that to the mind, the mind will say, no, but there are so many. Uh, if you say that I have no problems at all, but mind clearly tells me that there are so many problems. Do you notice? You ask that question entirely identified with the mind. When I say, you are free of, of defects. Dosha Rahita. You are free of defects. Immediately response was, if I tell that, the mind clearly shows me it's full of defects. Do you see the trick was, that was played? It's called, what, what, switch, bait and switch or something like that? <laughs> yes. I said, you are free of defects. I did not say the mind is free of defects. But because I identify entirely with the mind, when I, when, if you tell me, you are free of defects, you are pure, I look at the mind, because that's me. And I see it's not pure, and I say, no, I'm not pure. The mind is reporting that it's not pure. The mind is reporting that it's uh, angry or it has got attachment or it has got uh, dishonesty. It, it is not straight. Could be. But that does not mean the witness of the mind. Witness of the mind. Consciousness. Just like the space in the pot is not smoky. The space in the pot is not uh, defined by the presence of a dirty water. 
the space in the pot is not purified by the space of with the keep keeping ganga water there pot becomes pure yes so the effects of the body of the body and mind are unnecessarily imposed on the consciousness and thus being imposed on the consciousness that consciousness which is none other than turiya begins to think of itself even to think it requires the mind begins to think of itself as a separate sentient being called jiva i am a separate sentient being jiva i have so many problems oh you don't know <laughs> i have uh, i have physical problems relationship problems financial problems uh, political problems community problems uh, and also vedantic problems <laughs> i have multiple problems spiritual problems who is saying that the space in the pot is saying i am dusty or i i am i am impure no the space never is dusty the dust may be present or the smoke may be present in the pot it's the pot and the pot's problem not the space's problem the moment you realize because the moment we associate this thing with us we become a separate sentient being we say here i am there you are here is this young child here is this old person here is a healthy person young old body healthy and ill body uh, well behaved and and uh, rude mind personality consciousness one and the same plurality how many spaces are there hundred pots in front of you how many pot spaces one yeah really speaking one it appears to be 100 pot spaces here is a round one here is a narrow one here is a wide one here is here is a nicely designed one here is a crudely made one so on but they are the parts they are not the spaces the space is neither round nor narrow no there is enough space to hold 1 liter of uh, milk there space does not hold 1 liter of milk it is that con- container which holds 1 liter of milk space is infinite it is one and unbroken similarly consciousness here and everywhere is one and unbroken appears to be different when you impose the limitations and activities and qualities of body and mind on that so when will it when will i be infinite i understand consciousness is pure and infinite immediately thing will come that oh so when the body dies i'll be free of it when the mind is quieted down in samadhi then i am free of it no even now you are free of it when the body is there when the mind is active doing good and bad things you are still you are that pure unbroken consciousness no plurality here also we think 100 people 100 consciousnesses consciousness is that which has no plurality no plural it's one word it, it's 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 always singular i am one consciousness associated with a hundred minds i seem to be a hundred people so the pot space analogy is used by gorapada to show uh, to show that jiva does not originate consciousness is one and the same the fourth that one pure consciousness no change in it no birth and death in it no good and bad in it no plurality in it no action in it no karma action is in body mind and if there is no action in it no result of action in it also no karma phala no birth and death for it and therefore no liberation for it also no bondage for it no liberation what is bondage we think we are trapped in this cycle of birth and death 
The moment one pot breaks, I'm captured in another pot. <laughs> it's like the space thing, I've been put into another pot. You have not been. The pot is in you. You are not in, this, in the pot. So, neither birth nor death, nor creation, nor dissolution, nor bondage, nor liberation. This is the ultimate truth. Do you remember vaguely? Ittyesha paramarthata. This is the ultimate truth. Na nirodho na chutpatti. Na vaddho na chasadhaka. Na mukto na vai mumukshu. Ittyesha paramarthata. There is no origination. There is no dissolution. There is no bondage. There is no liberation. There is nobody liberated. Not even anybody seeking for liberation. This is the ultimate truth. For what? Now, if you look at yourself as a person in this body, it seems to be absolute nonsense. But if you look at space itself, from the point of view of parts, or if you look at you, the consciousness, in which bodies and minds appear and do their things and disappear, then it seems to be the absolute truth. This is the truth. This is called Ajati Vada. Yes. purification of the mind to hold on to that, uh, I won't call it realization, but to hold on to uh, that I am Brahman. So when you say here and now, unless I have uh, really a pure mind, so I mean the two seem so interdependent uh, because <coughs> those thoughts, those feelings, that flash of realization comes and goes. But in order to sustain it, as we discussed, you do need to have, uh, you know, those fourfold qualifications. So, I mean, this is the struggle, really. I mean, you know, the flashes just keep on coming and going, but it's just not sustained. True. So, I mean, to therefore, to feel here and now is a challenge. Okay, I'll respond to that at two levels. If you want a response, do you want a response? Okay, uh, I'll respond to that at two levels. Imagine the space in the pot saying that I understand I'm one and undivided space, but the inside of the pot is so dusty, you know, that uh, it really becomes difficult to appreciate this fact. The pot must become full of Ganges water. We must scrub out the pot and then fill it with holy Ganga water then only I will become pure space. Is he right or wrong? Wrong. wrong. So, is pure space, was pure space, is helplessly going to be pure space forever. Similarly, you the witness consciousness, you are Brahman regardless. Now, let me show you that. See if this works. When you say, that insight comes, I see that, yes, it is true, I am, I am that witness consciousness. In my consciousness, all this is experienced, right? And then you say, looking back a little, it was there, now it's gone. That, th that thing went away, that I became confused again. Both of this, the insight and the loss of insight, both of them are appearing to you. That you to which both are appearing, is it pure or impure? Pure. It's pure. Does it have a problem? No. No. You are that one to which that insight, that clarity came. 
and you are that one in whose light this confusion, this apparent loss of clarity is coming. That you are that one which notices, notices the coming and going of that insight. You see, I am unable to hold on to it because my mind is not concentrated, not pure enough. This thing, that insight is coming and going, coming and going to you. You are the one which notices the coming and going of that insight. That one which notices the coming and going of the insight. Does that one come and go? No. Do you uh, understand? This is the second time that's happening. You should switch it off. Yes. Um, do you notice notice that? Right. But I'll be honest, there's still a but. There's still a but. Who raises the but? The mind or Atman? Mind. Mind, yes. The mind raises, but there's a problem. And immediately, just as the mind was superimposing body and mind on the Atman and saying, I am this person. Now it is superimposing a subtle Vedantic problem on the Atman and saying, you are the Atman, but you have a little problem. And the innocent Atman says, what? I don't have a problem. Here it is. Take the problem. And the Atman said, takes the problem. Yeah, I have a problem. <laughs> yeah. Think about it. If this does not work, if still the but remains, <laughs> but is very powerful, then of course, the fourfold qualifications and an effort to cultivate that, that's what Godapada will speak about. I'll come to it at the very end again. Those are necessary. But if you understand what I was trying to point out, that is the direct solution to your question. So really it's that on which one has to constantly cogitate, meditate. If you like, you can constantly cogitate and meditate. But then you know what will happen. Your mind will, mind will throw a but. I cannot constantly cogitate and meditate because I do not have those qualifications. After all, who will constantly cogitate and meditate? Mind? Yes. Do you, does, it's the... Uh, the contents of the pot, it has to think about the space. The, is the space bothered about it? Whether the pot is thinking about it or not? No. You see why this happens? You know why this happens? This happens because when the first stage, Shravana, is not done thoroughly, a little confusion remains about the Shravana. That becomes magnified as a, as a intellectual um, problem at the level of manana and that becomes further magnified as that that but i understand it i have heard it but it's not real yet it's like the part saying yeah there is a space but um, i understand it but it's not real yet are baba you exist in that space that is the only reality that there is No. We'll come. The answer is Amani Bhava. We'll come to that. The, the, ans the answer is really to appreciate the reality. As long as you try to be the body-mind trying to grasp the Atman, the but will remain. The final thing you'll end up with is a big B-U-T. But when you look at it from the point of view of consciousness on Atman, you'll see there's no problem at all. No, it would be nice if the mind were to dwell on the Atman. Yes, I am the Atman, 
let the mind dwell on my glory, that's a good approach. So when there's a confusion, um, uh, then you will not say, now I'm confused whether I'm the Atman or not. No, I am the Atman. The mind is not dwelling on the, on the glory of the Atman. Let the mind dwell, dwell on the glory of the Atman. So your meditation, your spiritual inquiry, all of those things will continue. You don't depend on them anymore. You tell the mind, oh mind, you want peace? Meditate on me. You want peace? You want joy? You are feeling uh, unhappy? You are feeling distressed? Because you are roaming around too much in samsara. Meditate on your inner self, which, which I am. You will find peace. If you try the other way around, I, the mind, must catch hold of Brahman. Eternal struggle will be there. At the most, once in a while you will say, I am getting a glimpse of it. Oh, it's gone again. You are that Brahman. You are the Turiya. Now have a nice big project, lifelong project of bringing the mind into alignment with this realization. That can go on, but you are happy as it is. One way is, whenever you have a problem, not, see there are two ways, one is, I must constantly meditate on Brahman, I am Brahmasmi, I am Brahman, I am Brahman, I am Brahman, oh, they, I lost it again, oh no. <laughs> I am Brahman, I am Brahman, I am irritated, I am annoyed, no, 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 I am Brahman, I am losing it once in a while. Or the other way round, that I will, my mind will be engaged in doing whatever it is. In Vedanta class, on Vedanta, when washing the dishes, on washing the dishes, when uh, working in the world, on working in the world, whenever there is a doubt, whenever there is a problem, whenever there is any resistance, unhappiness, problem, immediately retreat to your real nature as Brahman and see that the problem is overcome. Whether it's a physical problem, whether it's a relationship problem, or just a mental un unhappiness, anxiety, temptation, fear, all of them, see how they disappear. That's a powerful practice. Use the knowledge when it's needed, in small and big cases. Yeah, I had a similar problem as the lady last week. And I was sick and I was in bad, miserable headache, sore throat. And then I remembered our discussion about the witness of the pain and the witness of the absence of the pain. Yes. Mm. But I, I stayed with it. Yes. And then I had, so I stayed with it every day throughout the day, miserable trying to watch the pain. And then when I felt better, trying to watch the absence of the pain. And then uh, I got better and then I had a relapse. Mm. And then immediately I did the same thing. And this time it was much faster. Mm. Very good. So Very good. I was like, yes, okay, it mm. works. And I listened to your recording that you right. said, you said, you know, close your eyes. And I was lying in bed, miserable again, closing my eyes. But this time, for some reason, it made a difference. Right. What makes a difference is hearing these truths again and again, and then making an effort to think about it, like you're doing, dwelling on it. That dwelling on it, especially in terms of times of trouble, when you did that, that is a powerful nididhyasana, Vedantic meditation. That requires clarity first. Unless I know what you are talking about, what is the uh, gross and the subtle and the causal, what is the fourth, if all that is first, second, third, fourth, I am confused, then it will not work. But if that is clear in your mind and then you try to stay with it in times of trouble, that's a very powerful meditation. Much more powerful than sitting and trying to continuously think I am Brahman, I am Brahman, I am Brahman. No. Alright, so let's, we'll just leave it here. Let's go on with this. So no jiva originates. 
we who think we are separate individual conscious beings, we are not really separate individual conscious beings. We are that one ocean of existence consciousness bliss. Non-origination of jiva, ajativada. And this he uses the pot space analogy to demonstrate it. You might ask, yeah, I get it. The part, the space is un one and unbroken and an illusion of separate spaces is created by the creation of different parts. I get it. That's true about the part and the space. But what about, how do I know that consciousness is one and unbroken? I just experience myself as body, mind and consciousness here itself. What, what Gaudapada is inviting you to do is take a look. Use the part space analogy and take a look. Isn't it true that everything that you experience, including differences and persons and bodies and minds, are all in your awareness, just like parts are in, conscious, uh, in, in space? All the changes that you see are in your consciousness, not of your consciousness. All the movement that you see, you are aware of the movement. The, the awareness is not moving. All differences, I am different from him and she is different from her, but this the whole thing is in my awareness. Is the awareness different from them? No. So, Gaudapada is just inviting you, he says that it's exactly like part and space. Take a look, take a look right now. Don't try to fit it intellectually. Take a look at your experience right now. You will see, yeah, it's true. Now, what about the physical universe? No sentient being originates. What about the physical universe? Chairs and tables, buildings and uh, um, the earth and water and air and fire. There was a fire next door uh, in the morning today. So we had a huge commotion with the fire brigade coming and, um, and lots of people coming out and taking pictures. I took a picture too. <laughs> <laughs> so it was... Earth and water and fire and space and wind, the five elements, you know. Um, what about them? And Gaurapada uses, he quickly says, the example of the dream. Swapnadrishtanta. In your dream also you experience so many things, so many objects. You can experience space and time and object and action, and good and bad. And all of that would be the dream of one mind where there is actually no space and time and uh, separate objects and uh, actions, but they, it appears in that way. And he does not go into details because already second chapter, he has done this. He has used the dream example again and again to show the, the non-origination of the universe, the physical universe. And hence he concludes the second topic, non-origination, ajativada or ajatavada, non-origination. What has not originated? Separate individual beings, jiva, there is no jiva srishti, jivas do not originate. Then what is there? One consciousness, turiya. What has not originated? A physical universe. Then uh, what is there? One consciousness, turiya. But, here, there is uh, <laughs> another but here. It means even after you understand this, you will still continue experiencing all this. While experiencing this, you know that it is not a separate reality apart from you. The reality is you, the consciousness. This is called non-origination. A very grand, very radical kind of thing. Ajatavada. Not originated. Why it's radical? 
the conventional religious idea is God created. How did this universe come about? Alright, you are God and all that, I, fine, I understand, but this universe, please explain it. Conventional the theistic religions, both in Hinduism and other religions, they will say, God created the universe. A step further, the Sankhya and Yoga says, nature created this universe, you are consciousness apart from nature. Step further, the usual classical way in which Advaita Vedanta, classical Advaita Vedanta is taught. It's not that God created the universe, but Brahman through Maya is appearing as the universe. Explanation of the universe, it's through Maya, creation through Maya. Maya Srishti, Mayika Srishti. That one is further fine-tuned by Gaudapada and his answer is, what creation? How did all this, how was all this created? And you will say, all this what? This is Brahman. <laughs> Brahman alone appears in all these ways. De, uh, Gaudapada says in earlier verse we have seen, Devasyesha Swabhavoyam. This is the very nature of that shining entity, Brahman. What shining entity? You. You are the shining entity. How do I shine? Like this. This is how you are shining forth. No, no, this is separate from me. Isn't it exactly what you experience in your dreams? A separate reality, but when you wake up, you say, my mind alone was shining in all these ways. Similarly, it's not your mind here, it is consciousness, you the consciousness, appearing as all of this. So that is non-origination. Now the third great topic is, yes, this is all right, but um, how do we bring it into practice in our day-to-day -day lives? I mean, how do you, uh, you know, apply it? So the doctrine, the teaching of no mind, Amani Bhava. What is Amani Bhava? First of all, we must realize what it is not. Amani Bhava does not mean to become brainless. It does not mean to go into a coma. It does not mean to stop thinking. Hmm. You can think. You can reflect. You can use your memory to remember. You can um, use your creativity to cre create new things. You can do, use your intellect to do maths and understand things. You can use your decision-making powers. All of the faculties of the mind can be fully active and they should be active. Use them as much as possible. No mind does not mean not thinking. What it means is spiritualization of the mind. Spiritualization of the mind. In fact, all spiritual paths, all religions ultimately come down, whatever they teach, ultimately they'll have some teaching about what to do with the mind. It could be in Zen meditation, it could be in Vipassana meditation, it could be uh, the Vaishnava Bhakti, suffuse your mind with devotion for Krishna. Whatever, the Christian will say one thing, the Muslim will say another thing. Um, or the Advaitic idea, what Gaudapada is going to say. Spir basically, there must be some teaching about spiritualization of the mind. And Gaudapada tells us why. He says, notice, he will in a couple of verses he points out, Non-duality is the solution and duality is the problem. Notice how whenever the mind is active, duality is experienced. In your waking state, you experience duality. Yes, it may be true that it's actually one non-dual Brahman, but we experience it as a duality and that's what creates the problem. So in a waking state, we are experiencing duality. Dream? You're experiencing duality. You're experiencing it. Even after you wake up, you did see it in a dream, a dualistic dream. So duality is experienced whenever the mind is functioning. Now notice when the mind is not functioning, deep sleep, no experience of duality, but it's just one blankness. Or in deep meditation, samadhi, no experience of duality. 
So if you say Advaita is the solution and Dvaita, duality is the problem, notice how, what the role that the mind plays. The mind generates an experience of duality. You shut down the mind, no experience of duality. Now, what is the way to do this? One way is the yogic way, is to retreat into Nirvikalpa Samadhi, not to experience the world. Sankhya tells you this, Yoga, Patanjali Yoga tells you this. In Asampragyanta Samadhi, Prakriti, the universe is not experienced, hence you are free from, from samsara, you are with consciousness alone. But uh, Gaurapada does not tell you that. Um, Advaita does not tell you that. What will you escape from? Because what you are trying to escape from is you. This thing, this universe is nothing but you. Appearing to be different from you. I will repeat that. What you are trying to escape from samsara is you. You alone are your own samsara. As much as you alone are your own dreams. Good dreams, nightmares, you are the cause of that. There is nothing there apart from you. Who else is inflicting the dream upon you? Your own mind. Similarly, you the Turiya, the fourth, you are appearing as one, two, three. Pratamapada, Dutiyapada, Tritiyapada. You the absolute, you are appearing as the relative, gross, subtle and causal. So there is only you. Mano drishyam idam sarvam. The entire experience of the universe is nothing but the generation of the mind. Manasohi amani bhave. When the mind becomes no mind, how does it become no mind? The solution given in, um, given by Gaudapada is Atma Satyanubodhena. By the realization of the truth of the self. That I am Brahman, I am the fourth. When you realize this, how does the snake which is seen in the rope by mistake, how does the snake become no snake? By? Realization of what? Knowledge. What knowledge? Physics, chemistry, biology. Realization of? The rope, yes. How do you correct an error? By realizing the truth. The only way of removing the error. You, how does the snake become no snake? By beating it thoroughly? No. By setting a mongoose on it? No. By praying to it? Oh Nagadevata, snake god, please go away, don't terrorize me? No. By realizing that the truth, that it's a rope. Similarly, how does the mind become no mind? By realizing the mind itself is nothing other than Atma. I'll repeat it. Atma Satyanubodhena. By the realization that the Atman is the truth of which the mind is an appearance. Just as the world is an appearance, mind is also an appearance of, of, of Atman. The mind is nothing other than Atman. There is a saying, Chittam chiditi janiyat, takaro vishayadhyasaha. If you see in, in Sanskrit, when you write in Hindi or Devanagari, Chittam. Chittam is Chitt plus Ta. Um, this word chit, this chittam means mind. Do you remember yoga, chitta vritti, nirodha? Yoga is the cessation of the modifications of the mind. This chittam means mind. But if you split it up, you get chit, which means pure consciousness, plus ta. What is this ta? He says vishaya adhyasaha. 
the appearance of objects which is now superimposed on pure consciousness. The moment, see in consciousness objects appear, not separately. Turiya, the consciousness itself appears as its own objects. That's the power of Turiya, that's Maya itself. They are not separate from it. But taking them to be separate and then superimposing them, associating them back with the pure consciousness, you generate mind. This is a very deep insight. This shows you the nature of the mind. Basically, here is the snake. Ah, this is a good way of understanding. Here is the snake. You split it up into the rope plus name and form of snake, which have no existence at all. They are just appearances which are now, which now sort of seem to cover the rope. The nature of the rope is forgotten and it seems to be a snake. Nature of consciousness is forgotten, it seems to be mind. That mind itself, which you are struggling with, which you are saying so many problems, it is Atman. It is Turiya, unrecognized. Hold on, hold on. Unrecognized. So, Amani Bhava means to recognize the truth about yourself. That this mind, which is to be made into no mind, this mind itself is consciousness, Chaitanyam. Mind minus, minus its name and form, mind name and form. Is consciousness itself. Don't engage, now don't try to think that, okay, now I must remove the name and form of them from the mind, scrub the mind nicely so it becomes Atman. It is Atman. You might as well try to scrub the snake and make it into a rope. It's, it's the rope anyway. It is the Atman appearing. All you need to know is Satyanubodhas, realize that it is consciousness. After realizing consciousness, will it switch off magically? Will the mind become nice and switch off? It will continue to be what it is. No longer a problem for you. Absolutely not a problem for you. So, taking this mind which we thought to be the ignorant mind, that I am something, I am a mind and a body, transforming it by realizing that I am the witness consciousness. That is called mind becoming no mind. Or in another way, realizing the falsity of the mind. The mind is like the snake. Consciousness is like the rope. Consciousness alone is appearing as the mind. Realizing that, let the mind continue its dance. It may go on dancing, may think of many things, or it may settle down in deep meditation. In all cases, you are that same consciousness. The mind itself is that same consciousness. So, Atma Satyanubhavadhena, by realizing the truth about Atma, that I am the Turiya, mind becomes no mind. What is the nature of that Turiya? What is the relationship between the Turiya and the world? And the mind and the body? No relationship. What is the relationship between snake and rope? No relationship. Why? Because there is no snake. It's a rope only. Shankaracharya says all the water in the, mira in the mirage is not enough to wet one grain of the dust of the desert. Similarly, all the troubles and problems and temptations and fears of samsara has not the slightest effect upon you, the pure consciousness. Why? No contact. It's not because there are two parallel lines without any contact. The other one is not there at all. It cannot have any contact with you. It belongs to a lower level of reality. Just as the dream belongs to a lower level of reality compared to waking and all the worst problems of the dream have no effect on you once you wake up. 
all the greatest attractions of the dream, the dream, the greatest attachments. I won a million dollars or ten million dollars in Powerball lottery. And I wake up, oh, the happiness made me wake up. Then I realize, oh, it was a dream. Swami, I will donate it to Vedanta Society. <laughs> so much detachment. <laughs> not the slightest problem at all. Why? Because it's not real. You snapped out of it from a lower level of reality into a higher level of reality. Here, when you snap out of this, the Vavaharika reality, into the Paramarthika, which is your real nature, Turiya, what you really are, then all the appearances in this world, which will continue. The dream does not continue when you wake up. But this will continue when you are enlightened. This will keep on appearing. World will appear, body will appear, mind will appear, as long as the Prarabdha Karma pushes this. Yet, you are not affected in the least. You remain unbounded, infinite, joyous, fearless. The worst of the, temp of the fears and anxieties of this world leave no scratch upon you. The greatest temptations are as nothing, as dust to you, as, as the 10 million dollars of the dream to you. Nothing to you at all. So, this is called Asparsha Yoga, the yoga of non-contact. Again, a new name given by um, Gaudapada. These are new terms. Advaita, non-duality is a well-known term. Ajatavada is a term associated with Gaudapada. Non-origination. Amani Bhava, no mind. There is a similar term in Yoga Vashishta. Manonasha, destruction of the mind. To be understood similarly, that not actually destroying the mind, not becoming brain dead, not even falling asleep or going into coma. That's one way actually people, I mean seriously, people try to overcome sorrow in that way. What else is addiction? What else is uh, drinking oneself into a stupor? What else is, uh, you know, the drugs and all of that? That's basically trying to blank out the mind. And ultimately suicide. Somebody said, there is a reason why people, when they shoot themselves, they shoot themselves in the head. That this thing won't stop. And they're trying to make the mind no mind. But not by a bullet. Not by coma. Not by destruction. The mind is perfectly alright. You have to realize the truth of the mind. That is Amani Bhava. Manonasha literally it sounds like destruction of the mind. Destruction of ignorant mind, you can say. By enlightened mind. One Swami put it nicely. Uh, enlightened mind is one is the mind which is a great burden. Jesus says, Come unto me, all ye who are heavy laden. For my yoke is light. He says, In spiritual life, once you come, there will still be something to do. There will still be something to be accomplished in life. But that's a joyous task. That's a happy task. And that's why people are associated with ashramas. They want to lead a religious, spiritual life. It's a happy thing. So, um, yes, so um, Asparsha Yoga is, that, uh, oh, Amani Mahabha, why, why was he saying that? Yes, so uh, when he says, come unto me, that are heavy laden. Oh, that's a joke of the Swami. Uh, he, he was joking. So the mind which is a burden, which is heavy laden upon me, it becomes a light mind. It's no longer a trouble, it's a, hap it's a light, non-burdensome mind. So therefore, he said, he joked. That's why it's called enlightenment. It <laughs> lightens you. It, it literally, it's literally, wait, wait. Literally a load of your, uh, of your back. Uh, so it, it's, it's, you are relaxed. You go through life with, with great joy and freedom and happiness. So that is called no mind. And the way to do that is Asparsha Yoga, the yoga of no contact. 
Paramarthika Satyam and Vyavaharika Satyam. The absolute reality and the relative reality. There is no point of contact between the two. What contact is there between the screen and the movie? The most terrible of villains. What harm have they done to the screen? The most, most noble of ac actions performed by the greatest of heroes on the screen. How much has that ennobled the screen? Nothing. And don't take it otherwise. <laughs> Atman is the most glorious thing. In it all this goes on. But all this is going on. It leaves no trace on the Atman. You say good for Atman. What about me? You are the Atman. <laughs> reflect upon this. As we reflect upon this over the years of our life. You will notice one thing. First. I am still here. Years down the line. One year later, 10 years later, 20 years later, people have come and gone, I am still here. The years have come and gone, I am still here. The body has changed, maybe organs have been removed and new organs have been put in, I am still here. The days rotate, day turns into night, night into the next day, in my awareness, I am still here. Second thing you will notice is, all of this happened, my being here, and all of the experiences, they all happened in me, the awareness. Not in me, the mind. The mind also has changed. My mind 20 years ago and my mind now so much changed. Am I different? The awareness is the same. That awareness which was, which was uh, the witness of the novice monk's mind is now the awareness witness of this Sarvapriyananda's mind. It will be the same awareness which will be the witness of the death of this body and the passing of this. The same awareness. I am here and I am awareness. And third, you will notice this here awareness, which will be the constant truth of your life. It has no problem at all. Never had any problems. Every problem, every terror, everything came because of the mind. This is Sat Chit Ananda. You are Sat Chit Ananda. You are Brahman. This Upanishad says, I am Atma Brahma. This very self is Brahman. Not after uh, realization, not after going to heaven, not at the end of the universe. Now itself and forever. So this is Asparsha Yoga. Now, hold on, hold on. <laughs> yes. No, you, you hold on to the question. I'll, I'll just finish this and stop. Now, after saying all this, one more. Uh, Godapada goes on to finish the topic with Nididhyasanam, Vedantic Meditation. After talking about Asparsha Yoga and Amani Bhava. This is to achieve this Amani Bhava. To achieve this Asparsha Yoga. Um, there are three categories of aspirants. Uttamadhikari, Madhyamadhikari, Mandadhikari. Three qualities or three categories of seekers. The best category of seeker. For that seeker, this is enough. Once that breakthrough happens, that person can stay there. Nothing more is required. Prolonged Vedantic meditation is not required for this person. Who? The... Best category, Uttama Adhikari. So then this next portion which Gaudapada will talk about is not for the Uttama Adhikari. For the best category. Are there such people? Yes. In a flash, Sri Ramakrishna catches it. Ramana Maharshi, in a flash. Sri Ramana Maharshi remained absorbed in meditation. Not to become realized. After realization, it was so overwhelming that he remained absorbed in that. Sri Ramakrishna remained absorbed for nearly six months in Nirvikalpa Samadhi. Not to realize it. To realize it, it took him three days. Actually, in one straight try, when, when Totapuri pointed out, Totapuri is, is the witness to that. He says, Are ye kya re? 
He says, what is this? What took me 30 years of constant effort? This fellow has got it in three days. So, there are such people who can, uh, for whom it is enough. They become liberated, jivan mukta straight away. This much teaching is required. There is the, the other, the mandam, uh, the adhikari, the lower, lowest category. That means the, um, the who, who, who also, who also will not benefit from Vedantic meditation. For them, even this teaching generates just um, a mixture of understanding, confusion, forgetfulness, um, and definitely no direct benefit. Neither there is understanding, nor the benefit from understanding. What do they require? They don't require Vedantic meditation. It will not work. If you give them Vedantic meditation to do for a few hours a day, just fall asleep. So, what? Or they'll drive, be driven crazy. One of the two, Vikshepa and Laya, which Gaudapada points out. Uh, they need more karma and upasana. Karma yoga, bhakti yoga, uh, regular ishta devata upasana, all the other practices they need to do to purify the mind, generate the fourfold qualification. Then it will be uh, beneficial. But this Vedantic meditation Gaudapada will speak about in the last few verses, it's for the second category. Who are the second category? The middle category. Madhyama Adhikari, the middle kind of seeker. Who are convinced by this teaching? Who are beginning to get some clarity from this teaching? But who say that uh, I have understood it intellectually, but it's not, uh, it's not, I'm not, I have not realized it. Or I get it, but it's not effective in overcoming my worldly problems, my day-to-day -day life problems. Or I get it sometimes, sometimes it slips away. For that kind of, uh, and there are many such. For them, they need to stay with this knowledge. They need to stay with this knowledge for a long time. This is Nididhyasanam, Vedantic Nididhyasanam. And this can be done with eyes closed and can be done with eyes open. With eyes open in many ways. Teaching itself is a kind, teaching Vedanta, not other things. Uh, teaching Vedanta itself is a kind of Nididhyasana. Regular study is a kind of Nididhyasana. Um, chanting of hymns, you know, Chidananda Rupa, Shivoham, with the meaning, is a kind of Nididhyasana. Brahmahar Pranam Brahmahavi, when you are working, converting every work into Vedantic meditation, is a kind of Nididhyasana. But there is a formal Nididhyasana where you use yogic techniques. Actually sit down, shut down your movements, quieten the senses, turn your attention inwards, generate this knowledge and stay with this knowledge in a yogic way. That means like Patanjali Yoga. Trying to achieve Savikalpa, Nirvikalpa, Samadhi. That is also, not only also, a very powerful Vedantic meditation. And that is Nididhyasana. There are problems when you try to do this practice. Four kind of problems Gaudapada mentioned, if you remember. Laya, Vikshepa, Kashaya and Rasaswada. But those things we have talked about. And they can be overcome. And the result should be, uh, one must now feel that I have got it and I have got the benefits. You see, these three kinds of Adhikari, seekers, to, if I want to put it very precisely, what is the difference you know, between the three of them? The first, the best one, I think there's space here. You can come and sit. Yeah. Yeah. The first or the best one has got the knowledge, realization and the benefit of that knowledge. I get it, what you are teaching and I've got all the promised benefit. 
suffering is at, at an end, I know what I truly am, problem is solved. Jeevan Mukta, that person is called Jeevan Mukta. The second category who needs this meditation, who understands but complains that I am not getting the benefit of this understanding. It's still intellectual or it comes and goes, it's not steady, there's a whole range of complaints. For that, Vedantic meditation is prescribed. And the third category, the bottom one, they neither get it nor get the benefit. They don't get the knowledge. It's not clear at all what is being taught here. Or it's just an intellectual clarity which is coming. But uh, that it is talking about me, it's a real thing which is being pointed out, that is not clear yet. And there is confusion. And the results, the, the benefits of it, what is the benefit? Going beyond suffering, that is not at all there. So for them, they need further pre uh, preliminary preparatory practices. And this is how Gaudapada brings the whole thing to an end. So the four um, great themes, non-duality, non-origination, no mind, non-contact. They are all variations on the same, same theme. Now, let me, before I take one or two questions, let me just um, read out. I read something very interesting today. Swami Premeshanandaji was a disciple of the Holy Mother, Ma Sharada. And uh, Swami Suhitanandaji, who is now the Vice President in Belurmat, under whom I joined. So we had our initial training under him. He used to tell us many stories about Swami Premeshananda, who was regarded in his lifetime as a Jeevan Mukta, a person who was realized. I mean, it's an entirely different thing to live with such a person. It's an entirely different thing. It is unforgettable. And that's better than any number of Vedanta classes. So you actually imbibe it. It's a living thing. Yes, of course, if you supplement it in Vedanta classes, you realize what you have got, basically. Now, Swami Suhitananda used to note down the things which Swami Premeshananda said. And they are now being serially published in this Vedanta case. Every month, there is a couple of pages are published. Now, many just stray observations. Some of them are really wonderful. Today, he says, what is, after all of this, Vedanta, now put it aside for one moment. What is our attitude as the monks of the Ramakrishna order, as devotees who are admirers of Sri Ramakrishna, Swami Vivekananda, Holy Mother, in our way of thinking, what is our attitude? You know that we are not limited only to Advaita. So we take, we are Advaitin. On the broad basis of Advaita, we take a very, a very synthetic, open approach. This is what is called the Vigyana Vedanta of Sri Ramakrishna, which Ayan Maharaj was trying to say. So, practically, what does it mean? And I found such a beautiful expression here, so I want to read it out. Maharaj, which means Premeshananda Maharaj, he says, Listen, have you heard this verse? It fairly reflects our attitude. Our means in the Ramakrishna order. He quotes a verse which I had never seen. It's a, it's a tantric verse. Antashaiva bahishakta sabhayam vaishnava mataha nana rupa dhara kaula Vicharanti Mahitale. Says the Kola. Kola is it corresponds to a, an advanced master. Like um, like a Jivan Mukta in Vedanta, huh? in Tantra, in Kashmiri Shaivism also. In fact, the Kaul title in Kashmir comes from this Kaula. So the advanced master of Tantra, what is he like? Remember, he's a follower of Tantra. He says, Anta Shaiva. He is actually a worshipper of Shiva, Shaivite inside. Bahi Shakta. He is a worshipper of the Divine Mother in, in his external conduct. Sabhayam, in a gathering of spiritual or philosophers, uh, 
Vaishnava Mata, he propounds the teachings of Vaishnavism. Nana Rupadhara Kaula Vicharanti Mahitale. And such advanced masters wander at will over the earth, holding on to a multiplicity of, of attitudes. Are they confused? No. They have uh, this magnificent ability to synthesize all of it. They see through to the truth of every approach. It's not that, you know, the traditional approach would be, I am a non-dualist. I've seen such monks. I'm a non-dualist. Would you like to come into the temple and bow down to Shiva or Ganesha? Not for me. For me, it is Mandukya Upanishad. Uh, here uh, is a little prasad of Shiva or from the Divine Mother's temple. Would you like to take a little prasad offered food? Oh, this is all superstition. Forget it. Uh, you know, when um, Totapuri, classic example. When uh, he asked Ramakrishna, he looked at Ramakrishna, this person has fourfold qualification. Little did he know. So, you are the perfect candidate, Uttama Adhikari for Vedanta. Would you like to learn Vedanta, Advaita Vedanta? Sri Ramakrishna said, I don't know, I'll ask my mother. Mother, what's this? Anyway, Mama's boy. <laughs> he thought he's going to ask his own mother, but he goes into the temple and asks the Divine Mother and comes back and she, yes, I'll learn. My mother told me that she has sent you to teach me this thing. <laughs> One day he's sitting with, and he's learning Advaita, non-dual Vedanta, all Mandukya and everything. Now one day he's sitting with this great monk, non-dualist monk, and the, uh, Sri Ramakrishna's attitude was that practice in the evening, when the sun set, he had his own internal clock. He would see if he cannot count the individual hairs on his hand, it's time to take the name of God. Dusk is coming, it's getting darker. So immediately in the middle of a Vedanta lesson, he starts clapping his hand, Rama, Rama, Hari, Hari, Krishna, Krishna, Kali, Kali. And Todapuri was extremely annoyed. In the middle of such high philosophy, Worse than ringing of mobile phones, maybe or something like that. I don't know. <laughs> Rama Rama Hari Hari annoyed Totapuri. Mobile phones, I don't know what he would have done. <laughs> he would have got his tongs out, I think. <laughs> um, he says, in North India, what they do is in villages, and they make chapati, the flattened bread, over the fire, and they do it like this. Like this they do. So the Sri Ramakrishna is doing like this. <laughs> Totapuri says, are you making chapati? So what are you doing? And Sri Ramakrishna is so uh, hurt. He says, I'm taking the name of God and you're saying I'm making chapatis. <laughs> so that is one attitude. What is our attitude? Premishanji says, being a Shaivite inside, a Shakta outside and a Vaishnavite in public interaction, this is how noble people move in this world, harmoniously balancing different attitudes and faiths. Then he says, we will have the knowledge of Advaita within, he says. Manifest Jnana Mishra Bhakti. That means knowledge and devotion, blending knowledge and devotion without, externally. In practice, maintain the attitude of Dvaita. We will be very humble, modest and of impeccable conduct. Not that it does not matter anything, I am a non-dualist. No, it matters. In the external world, be a perfect sadhu or a perfect bhakta. We have heard and assimilated Advaita, but we don't enter into polemics about it, using it to cut down others. We keep with us the dust of Sri Ramakrishna's room, he says, and partake the Mahaprasada, the sanctified food of Lord Jagannath. I remember when I came to the United States, I bowed down to Swami Sohitanji, who was the general secretary at that time, the same person who's noted these down. He took a little pouch out of his, dry, uh, his uh, cabinet 
and he gave it to me. I still have it. What is it? It's the rice, the dried rice prasad of Lord Jagannath. Article Jagannath, article. I still kept it where Swami T used to keep the picture of Thakur Ma Swamiji. I kept it there. He says, once in a while you take that. <laughs> we shall take the Mahaprasad of Lord Jagannath. We come across as staunch devotees, but within we have a perfect understanding of the truth, the, the capital T, that means Advaitic truth. We lead our lives entirely depending on Sri Ramakrishna. Hold on to Sri Ramakrishna with both hands, he says. Only those who have been practicing austerity through many lives can enjoy bliss right in this world. As Gopala's mother did, who was a devotee of Sri Ramakrishna and who saw Krishna everywhere. So he goes on. So this is the attitude. It is a synthetic harmonious attitude, blending different attitudes, different faiths, different philosophies on the basis of Sri Ramakrishna's Vigyana Vedanta, what Ayanmal was talking about. I had so many hands up. Gone. Question has got disappeared. Yes. Answered. Very good. Yes, yes. So this is a very, very beautiful thing. If you see, not only monks, many devotees of Sri Ramakrishna, they follow this. Anybody else? Oh, I think one or two hands were up. Okay, what we will do now is... Yes, you have a question? Please sit. Hmm. Sit, sit. According to Gaudapada, you, yes. you are the awareness. You are that awareness. That unlimited awareness, yeah. Yes. Awareness is to somebody. Somebody is aware of hmm. You are beyond awareness. Right. One thing I must say about Nisargadatta Maharaj. See, these things are translated from Marathi. Nisargadatta Maharaj used to speak in Marathi. All the simple thing you need to do in Nisargadatta is switch awareness and consciousness. What Nisargadatta is talking about and Gaudapada is talking about exactly the same thing. What Nisargadatta, what is translated as awareness there is empirical or, or the, the Vritti Jnana. So I am aware of a book. I am aware of this magazine. What is happening is pure consciousness filtered through the mind and the senses is now seeing this. This is what he calls awareness. This comes and goes. This changes. My awareness is different. My, what I am aware about, my knowledge is different from yours. And your knowledge and awareness are continuously changing also. But the consciousness behind them is one and the same. So in Nisargadatta's book, sometimes it is called awareness and the terms are just switched around. That creates confusion. In any system, whether what Nisargadatta says or Raman Maharshi says or in Mandukya with Gaudapada says, catch what is being taught. Once you catch it, then when you read about it from different masters, you will immediately put the terms in the right places. You, will, you, won't, you won't get confused or uh, you won't feel unhappy about uh, what's going on here. I read that there and here it is. We are getting stuck up on words. But the words are pointing to something. If you have caught what it is pointing to, even in your understanding if you have caught it, then you will be relaxed everywhere. And not only that, if sometimes you will find Shankarajar is raising a question, Purva Paksha. Even before he gives the answer, you know the answer. Because you have caught it and uh, the essence of it you have caught it. Not only that, sometimes somebody is saying something wrong, which is not so, you immediately understand. Again, people ask questions. When you listen to the question, you'll immediately understand from which angle or from which limitation that person is asking that question. Where is the person getting caught? You will understand. So, yes. What Nisargadatta is saying, Ramana Marsha is saying, Gaudapada is saying, exactly the same thing, but in different way.
question for me. Yes. When you were talking about no mind, yes. you did make a statement that uh, the Atman itself is the mind. Yes. But uh, Brahman is beyond the mind. Uh, Atman is the mind means like saying the rope itself is the snake. What else is the snake except the rope? But can you say the rope is beyond the snake? Of course. Beyond the snake means sometimes the rope may appear as by mistake as a snake, sometimes it may not. See, Brahman or Atman are not limited to the mind. Brahman is not only the mind but also the body, also the world, everything else. And at the same time it's true to say neither the world nor the body nor the mind, they have no existence of their own. Brahman alone exists. It's the same thing. When you say the entire world including body and mind is false and appearance. One. Two, when you say Brahman alone is uh, appearing as the world uh, uh, body, it is exactly the same statement. Yeah. If you think there is one thing called God or Brahman, another thing called body and mind, another thing called the universe, that is samsara. That is Dvaita, dualism. Appearance of Dvaita can continue with the reality of Advaita. So what, yes, you had a question? Somebody else had also had a question? Yes, I'll come to you. Without the mind. Yeah. The mind will only, mind is not required. But the mind will, is required to remove the, uh, the error which is in the mind that I am not the awareness. That for Vedanta Vichara you require the mind. For uh, generating Jnana you require the mind. And when that Jnana is generated what does it do? It does not catch hold of awareness. It only removes a Jnana. Whole of this exercise done through the mind is to remove the error in the mind that I am not awareness, that I am body-mind. That problem is in the mind and that has to be removed in the mind itself. But awareness, you don't become aware of awareness. Actually, the becoming aware of awareness is, awareness is Swaprakasha. It is, it is shining forth. It does not require, light does not require another light to illumine it. Just as you switch on this light, it will illumine everything. You don't need to switch on that light to see that light also. Light itself is self-revealing. So, Atman is self-revealing. Gaudapada puts it this way. Ajena ajam vibhudhyate. The unborn is realized by the unborn. There is no other way of expressing it. But it happens. Sri Ramakrishna says, Bodhe bodhkara. Consciousness is realized in consciousness. But that does not mean you are thinking about consciousness. That The moment any kind of thinking, any kind of knowledge is involved, mind is required. Okay, yes. Yeah. According to Gaudapada, the second level and third level of aspiration, hmm. uh, he says that the third level is knowledge will not be as helpful, but most of us are doing the devotional practices. Yes. And because of the convincing <laughs> conclusion from you of the Advaita, hmm. we are tempted to practice that also. Hmm. And surely we are not of the first level that by listening from you itself, we can have that kind of realization. Hmm. So for us, most of the time, the second level and the third level has to go hand in hand. Sure. In our day-to-day practice. Hmm. That will not second level, third level. Whichever level we are, we are not. We cannot be at two levels at the same time. So if I am, if I feel that I I benefit from my devotional practices, I benefit from. Most of us are initiated and right. So we level. must, as Maharaj said. Don't worry about the levels of Gaudapada. Nobody wants to think of oneself as third level. <laughs> Both problems are there. There are people who... Inferiority complex. 
I don't want to think of myself as the first level. No, I can't be the best. No, I'm, I'm uh, pretty bad. That's one problem. The other problem is, the, who is there like me? I'm great. I'm enlightened. I'm Brahmagyani. I can't be the third level. That's another problem. Instead of thinking like that, look at the synthetic approach talked about by Premeshanandaji. Whichever level you are, try to practice all the four yogas, being convinced of the Advaitic truth inside. So, no, I'm only intellectually convinced. Good, good beginning. Be intellectually convinced. Start with intellectual conviction inside. You see, all the practices, our devotion, our meditation, our jnana, you will find they're more or less at the same level. My jnana is a little problematic. You will find meditation also is problematic. Devotion also is problematic. Unselfish action is also problematic. To more or less the same level. As each one improves, you will see the others also improve at the same time. So, that synthetic approach is best. My question is, hmm. because we are practicing in the morning and the evening, the hmm. devotional practice hmm. of japa and meditation, hmm. as is in the mission and everywhere. Yes. And in between, hmm. other time, can we practice Advaita? Certainly. Practice in the sense that inquiry. Inquiry, for instance, yes. in the line of uh, Right, right. Take up any text, any of them. They are all pointing towards the same truth. And follow the text carefully. Following the text itself means inquiry is going on in the mind. Because the questions are being raised, answers are being proposed. You follow that. Certainly, and you must do so. We have heard from a great teachers in our order itself. Somebody said, I do japa and dhyana, but my mind is very attracted to the non-dual Vedanta. And our master, uh, actually, Swami Bhuteshanji, the person to whom he told it, that person told me. He, was, he very happily said, Eitai to chai, this is necessary. This is what is necessary. Um, but as he said very beautifully, outside be the humblest of devotees. And follow all norms of good conduct and dharma. Practice bhakti. Accept the prasada with the greatest devotion. And inside... Pure Gaudapada. <laughs> they can be combined. The, the, the lives show that. It, it, it is quite possible. This Jagannatha, I remember there is a beautiful story about Vedanta Desika, who was a Vishishtadvaitin uh, in Karnataka, I think. A very great, he was a great scholar. A saintly person, but a great scholar. A contemporary of Vidyaranya, who, was, who wrote Panchadashi. Vidya, of course, they are on opposite ends because he is Advaitin and Vedanta Deshika is Vishishta Advaitin. The, one of the most touching stories I remember reading in his life is he used to live in this little village and the children are playing with a chariot. In the chariot they put uh, Krishna and Balarama and little, like Jagannath's chariot and they are pulling it along, the children, uh, little village kids. And they offer like bhoga, uh, like, like uh, the sacred food is offered. So bhoga is offered a little... Uh, toy plate they made a little ball of clay up, up from the uh, soil and clay and put it on like a, like a laddu like a sweet and put it in front of the little image of Krishna and the little children are playing and this great scholar whom adults also they step aside to let him pass because he's always in such a lofty mood he is walking past and a little boy who is not bothered about who is a great scholar or not he comes forward with a little toy plate and offers because he has seen grown-ups Offering it to God and then taking the prasad and giving to different people. So he gives that little clay ball and he offers it to this person who is Vedanta Desika, who is grandly walking past. And Vedanta Desika, he takes the little clay ball, pops it into his mouth and Shashtanga flat on that um, village road in front of that little chariot. 
uh, with tears streaming down his face. What grace, what grace, what grace. Straight in, uh, in front of that little. So you see, that is divine consciousness. Always feeling the presence. Is he living in imagination? Are we living in reality? We are living in a dream. In a most terrible kind of dream. We're living in a nightmare. They are living from an Advaitic perspective. Gaurapada will say still that is the dream. But it's a much better dream. And from a Vishishtadvaitic perspective, that is the reality. Bhagavan's appearing in all these ways. Swami Vivekananda, very Gaurapadian perspective, he says in one of his poems, Let vision cease, or if you cannot, dream but better dreams, which are eternal love and service free. Yes, I'll come to you. Correct. I do you remember I mentioned many of them in the talk on Shankaracharya. Which book? The one that you had on the. Oh, that's a Stavan Anjali, which is published in Nagpur Mat. And so all all the verses. And then there was one more person who raised a hand there. Yes, at the back. Yes. Yes. And I tried to do that during meditation and felt like I'm at the verge of an abyss. Yes, correct. So correct. Push. That is good. That is good. But I couldn't go beyond the I know. If you if you could you you wouldn't you wouldn't have turned up for the class. <laughs> <laughs> we are glad to have you back from the abyss. <laughs> but yes, that's absolutely correct. It's not an abyss, it's the reality, but to the mind it's an abyss. It's it's terrifying for the mind. It's like annihilation for the mind. But don't worry. You are not even on the right track. You are Brahman. <laughs> yeah. So there's no problem of being in the right track. You take, always take the highest position. You see? Gaurapada inside. Outside devotional. You, know, you can, like Venkata Deshika, you can lie flat on the ground and, uh, yeah. Um, so just one word before we end. So we have done chapters 1, 2, and 3. There remains chapter 4 which is a very interesting chapter. It's the biggest chapter, which is called Alata Shanti Prakarana, the chapter on quenching the firebrand. But its interest is more philosophical uh, than uh, the deep insight into non-duality, which was given in chapters 1, 2, and 3. We will do that chapter eventually, but I will not start it now for certain reasons. So the next class, we will have one more class of the Vedanta study group, where we will reflect upon the entire teaching chapter 1, 2, 3, and I will share some advanced insights into Advaita Vedanta next time. So do come, and we'll have plenty of more interaction. I will try to see the question and then uh, guide the questioner back to their inner reality. You see, there are two ways of dealing with questions. One is you ask the question, I can give you some information about it, uh, which is what most, uh, mostly we do. But sometimes in Advaita Vedanta, there is an advantage. The advantage is because what we are trying to teach is right here, you yourself. It can be pointed out now. If the questionnaire is more or less ready, it can be pointed out. Sometimes you notice I do that. You notice, sometimes I do that. I try to turn you inwards to notice something which is very obviously present there. So we'll try to do more of that. So these are all level one techniques. <laughs> 
If it clicks, it clicks. All the better and there's no harm anyway. Very good. After that, there will be no more Vedanta uh, study group classes in this session. So that's the next class Wednesday is the last one. And I will not start the fourth chapter right now. Maybe some of you know that uh, I'm going away for, for most of next year. So uh, this Harvard University has offered a fellowship for a monk to study there. So, <laughs> uh, and I'll be and doing Advaita only for the promotion of non-dual philosophy. I'll be coming on a regular basis. But the Vedanta study group is suspended after the next class for a few months. Okay. Uh, we, we, we'll start again around this time next year. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but I'll be coming. Every month I'll be coming at least once or more than once. And then you'll have a wide range of other teachers. We have a, like a cornucopia, <laughs> like a, a whole selection of teachers coming from different parts of the United States. Um, we'll, we'll tell you in, in time. We'll tell you what we'll do. But Gita classes will continue now. Yeah. All right. Om Shanti 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 Hari Om Tatsat Shri Ram Krishna Rupanam Astu